Hallelujah. Come on, that's it all across this building. Do you feel the love of God in this house? Because I do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that your prayer today? I just want to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there is deliverance. There is freedom. We've sang about a lot of that. But I want to tell you, in his presence, you will feel loved. In his presence, you will feel hope. In his presence, you will feel peace. Would you lift up your hands and just call upon the King of glory? He said, if you lift up your head, I'll come in. If you lift up your voice, he'll inhabit the praises of his people. Somebody lift up your voice. It's all for him. It's all for him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise with a hand clap. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I love what I feel in the house of the Lord. How about you? I love that God moves among us. Hallelujah. It's understandable. It's understandable that mortal men and mortal women, finite beings such as ourselves, would want to be in his presence. But it blows my mind that God would even consider us, let alone want to come down in the midst of us. Amen. I'm going to be preaching about that a little bit here today. Yeah, man. Thank you to the worship team for setting the atmosphere in such a powerful way. It doesn't just happen. It's people that are practicing, people that are praying, people that are seeking God. And there's an ebb and a flow. As they lead us in worship, we join them in worship. And then God descends, and it's a holy moment. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44 Matthew chapter 13, verse number 44. I feel like God put this in my spirit this week. And I really, really do feel like God gave me a revelation. Often I preach on the foundation of revelation that I've already received. And, and all of this has been said. There's, there's really nothing new under the sun. However, there's times where you feel like God put something in your spirit for you and it gets birthed in you. And I want to hopefully plant that in your spirit here today and give you the revelation I believe that God has given to me. And open our eyes and open our understanding to the scriptures. That's my prayer here today. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy. Everybody say for joy. This is a joyous thing right here. He goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Many people 
have put these two parables together and said these are one parable. In fact, in your Bible, you might see a little notation where it says the treasure and the pearl. They want to put them together. But these are two separate parables. These are not one parable. These are two separate parables. One, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And number two, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. Amen. And I want to preach to us with the help of the Holy Ghost on this subject. Mutual fascination. Mutual fascination. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building. I already feel the love of God in this building. Amen. And it is, it is already evidence of what is going to be spoken here today. And I'm praying right now, Lord, that you'd open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our understanding to the Scriptures, God, and fulfill your word, amen, with signs following God. Amen. Fill somebody with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Lead somebody to a place of repentance where they can change once and for all. Amen. Lord, open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon your people here today in Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Mutual fascination. In Matthew 13, Jesus gave several parables about the kingdom. Parables are much like the modern equivalent of a nursery rhyme or a children's tale. Although with Jesus, he's speaking truths. Whereas there's an underlying principle in each of these other children's tales. It's a similar concept. Jesus would often speak in these ways because everything that he spoke had to come by way of revelation. You didn't get this by your education. You didn't get this by how good you were, how smart you were. It had to be a revelation from God to man about God and about man. Amen. And in these parables, he talks about the kingdom. That is what Jesus is focused on. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He was kingdom-minded. He was a kingdom preacher. We are kingdom people. Hallelujah. Jesus would put it best talking about the kingdom. He said, except a man is born of the water and the spirit, they cannot see or enter the kingdom. Amen. I want to tell you that you get access to the kingdom when you repent of your sins. You get access to the kingdom when you're baptized in Jesus' name. You get access to the kingdom when you're filled with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that, that he would give access to people like you and me. He tells these kingdom stories, and he is trying his best to describe spiritual principles in a way that mortal men like you and I would understand. He said... In all of these parables, the kingdom was likened to a sower and seed, wheat and tares, mustard seed and leaven, the treasure and the field, the merchant and the pearl, the net and the fish. And I wish I, wish I had time today to preach about every last one of those, and maybe one day we'll get through all of those. But there's powerful lessons in each of these that we learn about the kingdom and primarily about the king. Amen. Because you don't get a whole lot out of the kingdom without the king of his domain. Amen. There are players in each of these parables. There is the king. We know the king to be God. He shows up in different ways in each of these stories, but he's always a player in these parables. There is, the, there is adversity. There is something there. And this is sometimes represented as the devil. Sometimes it's represented as sin. 
And finally, there is humanity, which seems to stand in the middle, and they seem to stand in the balances between God and sin, between God and the devil. There is mankind between those. In our text, we find two separate parables that, to the casual observer, are seemingly saying the same thing. In both, there is a buyer. In both, there is a seller. And in both, there is a treasure of immense value. So why would Jesus tell the same story in two different ways? I don't believe these are the same story. I believe that these are mirrors of each other. That these stories are a mirror image of the other story and the other parable. In the first parable, we are the man that is wandering, that is trespassing through somebody else's field, this field called life. Amen. We don't own it. It's not ours. Amen. We are trespassing. And as we are haphazardly going through this life, we stumble upon the greatest treasure. I want to just tell you, amen, the treasure that Jesus is talking about, the treasure that's in the midst of the field is this treasure called Jesus. Amen. It's this treasure called Jesus. It's this treasure called the Word of God. It's this treasure called salvation. And as you and I are wandering as vagabonds in this life, uh, we just so happened, uh, amen, what seemed like an accident to us, uh, to haphazardly stumble upon Jesus. Uh, we might not have even been looking for him. We were just wandering. We were just walking. But we ran right into Jesus. Uh, we ran right into church. We ran right into the altar. We I want to tell you, you and I were just wandering. Uh, we were just lost. Uh, but we ran into something that we could recognize uh, is valuable. We ran into something that we could recognize uh, is incredible. We recognize this is something we should stand in awe of. Now, not everybody that wanders through that field stops and hits the treasure. Some wander through the field and just keep on walking. But I'm preaching a room full of people that you were wandering, you were stumbling. Some of y'all were on drugs. Some of us were all messed up in sin, lost and undone. Amen. I love the way Paul put it. Such were some of us. Amen. But one day in this journey called life, amen, we stumbled on something. And it caused us to stop where we were going and stop the direction we were going. And it was Jesus. And it was the Word of God. If you're thankful for that, why don't you give Jesus some praise? I don't know about you, but I'm glad for the day I stumbled into the apostolic church. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the day I stumbled into Jesus. Hallelujah. I wasn't looking for him, but I found him. I wasn't looking for him, but I found him. Somebody ought to give him praise. Hallelujah. This treasure of Jesus is his salvation. And I thank God that we were able to recognize that we could never afford Jesus in our own right. We could never afford this treasure, amen, outright. We could never afford this treasure as it was. And so this treasure got hid in the field, amen. And then we sold everything. And then we went and bought the whole field. We bought in at the greatest discount of all. It cost us everything. 
What kind of discount is that, Pastor? If it costs us everything, what kind of discount is that? Because if you knew how valuable Jesus is, if you ever got a revelation, if you could ever stand in fascination of how grand he is and how great he is, he's more valuable than anything I ever owned. He's more valuable than anything I could ever get. He's more... I gave up everything, and it was the greatest deal I ever got. I sold everything, amen, and I, it was the greatest bargain I could have ever asked for. I stand in awe. I stand in fascination of the treasure in the field. Hallelujah. I think somebody ought to give him praise. Can I just preach to the church for a minute? Don't lose your fascination with Jesus. Don't lose your fascination. When I've been in church 40 years, don't lose your fascination with people receiving the Holy Ghost. Don't lose your fascination with somebody else being baptized in Jesus' name. Don't lose your fascination with Acts 2.38. Don't lose your fascination with truth. Don't. Hallelujah. Don't lose your fascination with the treasure in the field. Don't lose your fascination with the good things of God. Don't lose your fascination with the church. Don't lose your fascination with the altar. Don't lose your fascination with the, with the songs and the worship and the preaching. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. I got the greatest deal known to man. I found this treasure. It wasn't for sale. But I bought it anyways. <laughs> it didn't have a price tag, but I paid for it. The best part about it is it didn't really cost me anything. Hallelujah. To everybody else, I want you to think about this. This man looked so foolish selling everything he had. He sold the donkey. He sold the house. He sold the car. Amen. He sold some, some food on the street corner. He did everything he could. He was just trying to make enough money. So he could buy this unwanted property. Hallelujah. Because the treasure is in the field, and the field don't look like much. I came to preach to somebody. Can I preach about Jesus for a minute? The Bible says in Isaiah 53, there was no beauty that we should desire him. Amen. He didn't have much to look at. He wasn't much to look at. And on the outset, what's so great about a, a, a human being in the eyes of the world dying on a cross and bleeding? It doesn't look like much. Paul would put it this way. To those that are lost, it's foolishness. The preaching of the cross is foolishness. But to those of us that have been saved, it's the power of God. Don't judge the field until you find the treasure. Don't judge. I know it's not much to look at, but when you find the treasure, it's worth more than everything. To this man that saw the treasure in the field, it was the greatest bargain he could have ever found. Everything he owned was worthless in comparison to this beautiful treasure that he was so fascinated by. He sold everything he had, amen, to be able to purchase everything the field had. Hallelujah. I want to tell you a little bit about the kingdom. I don't have time to preach it. I've preached it before. But let me tell you a principle about the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it's all or it's nothing. You get all of Jesus or you get none of Jesus. You get all the way in or you're not in at all. You get all the way baptized or you ain't baptized. You get all the way saved or you're not saved. It's not almost. It's all the way. It's by the field, by it all, by the rocks, by the stumps. 
Can I just preach to somebody that's lost their fascination with the treasure because of some stumps in the field? Let me tell you, the treasure's worth more than it all. Well, they offended me. Well, you, you need to go back and visit the treasure again. Well, I don't like the way they said this, and I don't like the way they do that. And hopefully there's nobody like that today. Amen. But you need to go back and visit the treasure again. You need to pray back through to the Holy Ghost. You need to come back down to the altar. You need to lift your hands again. You need to worship God from your heart again. you you got to return to your first love. you got to go back to the treasure. Hey, it don't matter how many stumps I trip over. I got a treasure. It doesn't matter how many people offend me. Blessed are they that love thy law, and nothing, nothing shall offend them. I want to tell you, you can try your best, and some people have, but you're not going to offend me out of the kingdom. You're not going to get me away from the treasure. I found what I was looking for. You might trip me up. You might scrape my knees, but I found a treasure that's worth more, more than it all. I know people, well, I don't like the church. You can't have Jesus without the church. Well, I just worship God at home. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. I just worship online. No, you won't. You'll watch online. Because worship takes, well, praise God. I don't want to get ahead of myself on that either. I'll preach it another time, but worship takes sacrifice. You can't worship God without sacrifice. You can't worship, you can, you can sing without sacrifice. Uh, you can play an instrument without sacrifice, but you can't worship God without sacrifice. You can watch without, you got to buy it all. Well, I, I, I like Jesus, but I don't like any of the people. Well, last time I checked, we're the body of Christ. Amen. We might be the field. We might be a little ugly. We might have a little rocks and stumps, and there might be some things. I don't like the church. I don't like the people. Well, welcome to the body of Christ. You don't get Jesus without being part of the body. You don't get the head without being part of the body. You don't get the Jesus without being part of the bride. You don't even get to attend the wedding without being part of the bride. You got you got to be part of the church, honey. You, you, might, you might say, well, I, I want the treasure. you got to buy the field as well. Woo. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how you get, you get the treasure. You've got to sell all your old life. Well, I want to hold on to this pet sin. Uh-uh. Nope. Because you hold on to that pet sin, you ain't got enough for the field. You, let, me, let me rephrase that. You don't even have enough for the church, let alone for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I want to be, a, I want to, I want to own this. You can't own it unless you sell out. Hallelujah. They're, you know, the reason some people are struggling so much in living for God, they've not yet sold out. They're trying to live for the world and live for Jesus, and it's not working out. I want to, can I submit to somebody, the one thing you need to do is go sell out. Amen. Jesus told the rich young ruler, go sell everything you have. You got to go and get, I'm not talking about you got to sell your house and your boat. I'm talking about in your soul, in your spirit. You might need to sell your boat. I don't know. But in your soul, you know there's some things that are holding you back from church, holding you back from Jesus. I want to tell you, the treasure's worth more than anything you own. I want to tell you, you how, do you, how do I sell this old life? I'll tell you, number one, repentance. Repentance is dying to your old ways, dying to your old life, turning from sin and turning towards God. You, you, don't, you don't get the field without selling and, and getting rid of all that mess. 
How do you get the field? I tell you what, you got to go down in the watery grave of baptism in the name of Jesus. And when you go down in the watery grave of baptism in Jesus' name, he doesn't leave you there. You come up out of the water receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, because that's what Jesus told us inherits the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said sees the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says enters the kingdom of God. That's the only way you buy the field. You got to sell out. You got to die. Jesus put it best. He said, if you want to live, you're going to have to die to this old life. You can't save your life and gain your life. He said, you got to lose your life if you ever want to find your life. You don't get eternal life by trying to hold on to this life. Hold on to your riches and hold on to your ideologies and hold on to your sins. You got to sell that, honey. You got to sell that at an altar. You got to lay that down all in. And no matter what you have to sell, Jesus is worth more. Can I just preach to the church? I'm fascinated with Jesus. Well, you're a fanatic. Yeah, you're right, because I'm fascinated with Jesus. I'm fascinated with the church. You know, I've been saved 21 years, upcoming this next week. Amen. I'm still fascinated. In fact, I'm more fascinated with Jesus and the church than I ever have been. You know what's funny? I know more about the field than I ever have. I know where more stumps are. I know where rocks are. I know where more problems are. I know where more problematic people are. I know where more areas to get offended are. I know more things than the average person should know about, about the church. And I should probably be offended. And I probably, But you know what I've learned? If I stay near the treasure, the field don't bother me. If I, if I just keep my fascination with the treasure, it won't bother me. If I just keep my fascination with Jesus, it won't bother me. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Can I just preach to the church and everybody here? No possession you have is worth what Jesus is worth. No pursuit you go after is worth what Jesus is worth. No sin you want to hold on to is worth what Jesus is worth. No bitterness or offense or hang up is worth what Jesus is worth. I want to tell you the treasure is invaluable. The treasure is worth more. Somebody ought to give him praise. I'm going to preach it until you believe it. Jesus is more valuable. The church is more valuable. Thank you. Thank you. Don't lose your awe. Don't lose your awe. Don't lose your fascination with the things of God. It's still a treasure. It's still valuable. This man was more fascinated with Jesus than everything else combined. Jesus was worth more to him than everything else else and he bought the whole field the first parable of the kingdom is hidden treasure that a man stumbles upon in the second parable the kingdom is like a merchant that went looking for pearls there was no stumbling upon pearls there was no accident in finding pearls he was a pearl merchant going looking for more pearls in fact the bible says goodly pearls that means beautiful. Amen. He was looking for beautiful pearls. Amen. The first parable in the, the kingdom is notated to be treasure. In the second parable, the kingdom is notated to be the merchant. The first parable is about finding treasure. The second parable is about being the treasure that is found. 
in the second parable, I want to just tell everybody and skip to the point. You and I are the pearl. I want to tell you again, you and I are the pearl, and Jesus is the merchant. He didn't stumble upon you like you stumbled upon him. He went looking for you. He, he said, I'm looking for somebody I could put my name on. I'm looking for somebody I can wash in my blood. I'm looking for somebody. Can I preach to somebody? He went looking into that drug home for an Evan Hood. He went looking on that bar stool for you. He went looking in that house of death, that house of iniquity for you. He went looking on the bar stool. He went looking down that dark alley. He was looking. Can I preach about the merchant? The merchant was searching. The merchant was searching for you. The merchant was looking while we were yet sinners, while you were on drugs, while you were sleeping around. Jesus came looking for us. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. Unlike the man that accidentally stumbled upon the treasure, the merchant went looking for the pearls with intention. He wanted to find some pearls. Pearls are unique, unique treasures. Much like snowflakes, none of them are, same, are the same. Unlike precious stones that are formed in the earth, pearls are created when a piece of sand or some other organism slips into an oyster or another mollusk. And the debris that gets in there quickly becomes an irritant to the oyster. And the oyster takes action upon it. Despite the smallness of the issue, it cares enough to stop the pain. And in the process, it creates something new from that which is old. Amen. It creates new life out of the old life. It is a process of adding layer upon layer until the creation becomes smooth and molds it into a brand new substance that was not there before. Hallelujah. I've just come to preach about Jesus for a little while. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, he doesn't just leave you in your old life. When Jesus, you might have come into his, come into his world, but he won't leave you the way he found you. Amen. It's going to be line upon line, precept upon precept, layer upon layer. He's going to add a little more of his word. He's going to wash you with his blood. He's going to fill you with his spirit. And that which came in from the world won't look like the world when it gets done. And that which came in. That which came in all messed up ain't going to be messed up by the time he gets done with it. That which was not valuable becomes invaluable once Jesus gets done. Over and over again, the oyster adds layer upon layer to create the smooth brilliance that is so valuable. With each step, the irritant grows in size and is remade and reshaped. Because the oyster took the irritant and reworked it until it was smoother and rounder. Amen. Now what was once useless and insignificant now has value. That little seashell that she sold by the seashore that didn't mean much when it got into the right oyster. Hallelujah. And that was worked over 
and molded and shaped and changed into a new thing uh, that which had no value, uh, just another rock, uh, just another piece of sand, uh, just another irritant, uh, just another problem uh, that which was just to, to, to everybody else, uh, in, that was just not valuable, uh, that was discardable, uh, that you could throw away uh, when it got into the right oyster uh, and it began to roll around. Uh, amen. It might have hurt uh, for a little while, uh, but let me tell you what came out of it. Uh, that which was once useless uh, and had no value uh, went from worthless uh, to potentially millions of dollars of worth. Can I preach everybody? Sin uh, is the debris that enters our world, uh, and it caused pain, uh, and it caused death. Uh, but God adds layer upon layer of his blood, uh, layer upon layer of his word, uh, layer upon layer of his spirit, uh, covering all our sins uh, and making us new. Uh, and we're no longer recognized uh, by what we were when we came in, uh, and we're no longer recognized uh, by what we were when we showed up, uh, but we are recognized by what Jesus has made us. Uh, we are are new creations in Christ. Hey, honey, I'm a new species that, that National Geographic hadn't discovered yet. Hey, I'm a new creation in Christ. They don't know how to qualify me, and they don't know how to sort us. We're a new creation in Christ. Somebody ought to give him praise. He makes all things new. He makes all things new. I want to tell you, well, preacher, you don't know about my bad habit. If you'll let him cover you with a layer, amen, it'll change you. If you'll let him move on you with his spirit, it'll change you. If you'll get in the church, amen, his spirit will move on you. And layer upon layer, you'll start to change. You may not feel it at first, but he'll change you. The very piece of seashell or sand or debris that got into the seashell wound, wounds the oyster. But in the wound that's made on the oyster, that wound covers the debris. I want to tell you, we wounded Jesus when we crucified him. And blood began to flow, but the very blood that wounded Jesus saves us today. The very blood that wounded that came out of Jesus covers you. It covers your family. It makes your mind new. It makes your imagination transformed. It makes your mind completely different. It makes you and I a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. We are the pearl. And the, mer the merchant, which is Jesus, came looking for the pearl. Not all, not oysters that had encountered debris and encountered pain. Pearls. Looking for something that had been produced into pearls. The result of that debris and pain that had been covered. Amen. Let me just... Let me just help you understand what I'm saying here. Jesus put it best, and I couldn't word it any better than Jesus. So let me just quote you Luke chapter 5 and 31. They that are whole have no need of a physician, but those that are sick. Amen. He didn't come to save oysters that have never encountered nothing. He came looking for those that have been through pain. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
Can I preach to the pearl for a little while? The pearl didn't know its worth while it was being formed. The pearl didn't know its worth when it was being extracted from the ocean or from the oyster. It didn't know its worth when it was being given up, when it was being traded, when it was being sold. Can I preach to the pearl for a little bit? It only realized its value by the merchant that came and he placed value upon the pearl. Can I preach to the pearl? What's my value? Jesus gave all. Jesus paid it all. Doesn't matter what your mother said about you, what your father said about you, what your cousin said about you. When the merchant shows up in your life, he's fascinated by you. He's fascinated by you. And he said, I'll pay it all. Every drop of blood, every bit of my spirit, Jesus gave it all. Somebody ought to shout and give him praise. Hallelujah. Can I preach to the pearl? You don't know your worth. You haven't met the merchant yet. When you meet the merchant, you'll find out your worth. That's the merchant that said, I'll sell everything. I'll give every drop of blood. I'll give all of my spirit. I just want the pearl. I just want the Well, God, you don't know what I've been through. I know exactly what you've been through. And it's what you've been through that's made you valuable. It's... First Peter 1 and 18 says this, For as much as we know that we were not redeemed, we were not purchased with corruptible things as silver and gold. Jesus didn't go to Wells Fargo and get a cashier's check for you. You're not redeemed with corruptible things. You're not purchased with corruptible things. But with the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. What, how much is precious worth? It's priceless. It's invaluable. Amen. Acts says that he purchased the church with his own blood. I want to tell you, you are in a blood-bought church here today. Let me say that again for the cheap seats in the back. You're in a blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, Jesus' name baptized, speaking in other tongues, oneness, apostolic church, been, been washed in the blood, cleansed by the Spirit. I want to tell you here today, you are in a blood-bought church. Amen. He paid in his own blood. I ain't never paid for nothing with my own blood. Hallelujah. I've shed blood while trying to make money, but I ain't never paid for nothing with my own blood. Amen. I'm Let me tell you, the blood of Jesus is so valuable, he could have purchased the entire world with just one drop. But let me tell you how fascinated the merchant is by the pearl. Hallelujah. He said, I'll sell it all. I could have just sold 20 bucks. I could have given away a couple other pearls. But he said, I'll give it all. I'll sell it all. And when I sell it all, I, I'm going to purchase that pearl. I'm gonna, I want to tell you, for those that don't know the value of the pearl, amen, called your life, called your soul. Jesus said, I will give everything for your soul. I will... Hey, he's not looking to get a discount off you. He's paying full price. He's paying full price for you. He's fascinated with the pearl. He's fascinated with you. He's fascinated with you and I. As much as we stumbled over the treasure and we're fascinated with Jesus, I just want to remind somebody, he's fascinated with his church. He's fascinated with souls. He's 
He's looking for pearls. He's looking for lives to transform. He's looking for people to turn around. You know, when we preach about our fascination with God, everybody's like, ooh, amen. Because you're supposed to love God. You're supposed to be fascinated with God. But I don't think we're, not saying today, but I, I, just in general, I don't think we're as excited as we should be with how fascinated God is with us. We get uncomfortable, especially religious folks. They get real uncomfortable with this. Especially those that came from, from real hard-line churches. They have a real problem with this. You tell them, love God, they're like, yes, sir. They get their military boots on. We need to pray and fast and seek the Lord for a 40-day fast. But you tell them that God is fascinated with you. Jesus loves you. Thank you. Bumper sticker. But I don't think we quite got the revelation. You are not more fascinated with Jesus than he is with you. I want to preach to somebody. This is a mutual fascination. Let me preach to you the way the Bible puts it. Well, I love God, Pastor. I believe you. I think you do. I think you're fascinated with Jesus. But can I preach you what the Bible says? We love him because he first loved us. I don't, I'm not fascinated with him without him being fascinated with me. I'm fascinated with Jesus because somewhere he saw me in my sin. He saw me in my shame. And he said, I'm going to save him. Somebody ought to get excited. I want to preach to you. Amen. The merchant loves the pearl. The merchant is obsessed with the pearl. The merchant sold everything to buy all of us. He paid it all so he could buy it all. The good, the bad, the ugly. We always say he paid it all. But can I preach to somebody? He purchased it all as well. He purchased your good. He purchased your bad. He purchased your good habits. He purchased your bad habits. He purchased your successes. He purchased your failures. He purchased your miracles. He purchased your mistakes. He purchased your shame. He purchased your guilt. He also purchased your pride in the things you do good at. Because he's fascinated with all of you. Amen. I want to just preach to somebody until you believe me. Amen. Just as much as we sell out to him and we pour out ourselves to enter into the kingdom and we get the treasure in the field, there's a mutual fascination. Amen. We're fascinated with God, but God is fascinated with us. We love God, but only because God first loved us. We're fascinated with him, but only because he who's divine and infinite and eternal looked down on us and took notice. And furthermore, I want to tell you, he's more fascinated with you than you are with him. He loves you more than you could ever love him. For my Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Last I checked, I never died for him. Last I checked, I was never crucified for him. Last I checked, neither were you. But he loved us. Why? 
while we were without strength, he loved us. While we were ungodly, he loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we didn't love ourselves. He was fascinated with you. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God a shout. Come on. I feel it. Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus loves me. This I know. I'm a preacher till it gets in your bones. He's fascinated with the pearl. He loves the pearl. And the church is the pearl. The people of God that's been blood bought is the pearl. Somebody lift up your hands all across this building. Come on. I know you love Jesus. I know you're fascinated with Jesus, but I've come to preach to you. You're not more fascinated than he is with you, and he loves you more than you'll ever love him. Amen. There's rest. There's rest from striving. There's rest from all your working. Amen. When you realize how fascinated he is by you. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. I have a lot I I could preach. I just want to move in the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray. Come on, sir. You wouldn't be looking at that internet site late at night if you realized how fascinated Jesus was by you. You wouldn't let your low self-esteem get you to drink that, to do that, to go there. If you realized how loved you were, if you realized how fascinated God was by you, if you realized how valuable you were to him, every drop of blood, every bit of his spirit, he poured it all out. Some might say that they found God. That's not quite true. Because the Bible says in the first parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure which is hid in the field. I got a question. Who hid it in the field? Who wanted you to stumble onto the church? Who wanted you to come to the kingdom? Who? I didn't find Jesus Jesus was luring me in. I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me. Jesus was so gracious to put the treasure in my path. Jesus was so good. He put my old debris in the right oyster. He put my life in the right church. He put... My Bible tells me no man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. I want to tell you, if you love God today, it's because God first loved you. Amen. You might have stumbled into the church like the man stumbled upon the treasure, and he realized it's worth more than I could afford. But it was somebody in heaven that made sure there was a treasure for you to stumble upon, that made sure there was truth for you to get a hold of, that made sure that, come on, somebody, that made sure there was a preacher preaching to you, that made sure there was a church worshiping before you ever showed up. He made sure there was a treasure in the field before you ever arrived. And that merchant, he went looking for the pearl. And that pearl was the most valuable thing to him. I want to tell the church, there is nothing more valuable to God than his people. Never one time in your Bible did God ever pay for anything. God owns it all. He's the creator. He's the one that manufactured. He's the one that molded and shaped, spoke the world into existence. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He sets up kings and he tears them down. God owes nothing to nobody, but when it came to you, he said, I'll pay for it. 
You are loved by Jesus. He paid full price. You are not discount. You are not discounted. You are a full price pearl. You are a full price individual. And Jesus is fascinated with you. Let's say it across the building and clap our hands and give him praise. You are the most precious possession of Jesus. You are the most prized possession. He sold everything else. He said, angels don't care about that. He said, heavens, I'll get off my throne. He said, gold streets, forget about it. He said, pearl on the gates, don't give a rip about that. I'm coming for a pearl on earth. He said, crystal sea, doesn't matter to me. Immortality, don't care about it. Hey, I'm coming to purchase something, amen, that money can't buy. I've come to pay for something, and I've come to pay full price. I got a question for everybody in this building. What are you worth? If you ever think, feel, hear, or say anything less than everything Jesus had, you're wrong. Let me say that again until somebody believes me. If you ever say, think, hear from your mother, your father, your grandparent, or anybody else that you are not valuable, you are not worth, anybody else ever, ever tries to trample on you and you get the devil whispering in your ear that you are not worth that, you need to tell the devil you are a liar. He's fascinated with me. Brother Jonathan, he's fascinated with you, bro. Well, you don't know what, I, what I've been through. You don't know what I, don't matter. You're a pearl, and he wants you in his collection. You don't know where I've been. Yeah, but you're a pearl, and he wants you in his. He appraises us at the highest valuable item. It is the, you know, the most valuable thing in the entire world is you. The church of the living God. The only thing he ever purchased. And if you would say here today, I'm not part of the church, repent, be baptized, fill with the Holy Ghost. He wants you part of this church. He's still looking for pearls. He's still looking for pearls. He's still a merchant. He's never stopped. He paid everything to purchase you and to purchase me. We were not bought with corruptible things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. The Bible says this of us. We are a peculiar people. That means movable treasure. I just have to believe that when God thinks about his church, he thinks about pearls. You know, the Bible talks about he's got the churches in the book of Revelations in his nail-scarred hands. I want to tell you, there's no doubt, this merchant has walked away. He'll, I believe that before this service is done, somebody's going to repent, somebody's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and somebody's going to make a decision to be baptized. And guess what the merchant's going to do? He's going to pay for that pearl. He's going to add it into his nail-scarred hands. Something we never talk about about God. God is jealous. You know, people, people make me mad because they don't understand, they don't understand words sometimes. They say, oh, that's a jealous person. No, you mean envious. Jealousy's rooted in love. Envy's rooted in hate. God never, the Bible never says of God, he's an he's a envious God. He don't want what somebody else's. He wants what's his. 
Envy is just simply saying, I want what's yours. Jealousy is saying, I want what's mine. Break it down. Envy is somebody saying, I want your wife. Jealousy is, that's my wife. Back off. As my pastor always says, you never touch a man's kids or a man's wife, or you'll forget Christianity. It's about to go out the window. You know why? Because in love, you want what's yours. You are jealous over yours. And when we think about God, he's, he uses the most extreme word he can think of when he talks about you and I. I am jealous. I don't want the worshipers of Baal. They're Baals. I want my worship. He's, je- he's not jealous over the person that's out doing whatever. He wants them to be part of the church. He wants them to be part of the pearl. Don't misunderstand me. But he's jealous over his people. And I want to tell you, God operates and he moves in love. And his love is so fierce that he will destroy anything that is causing there to be an impasse between you and him. He will remove anything. He will sell everything. He will do whatever it takes because he's so in love with you. And when we get this revelation, I pray we do. When we get the revelation that he's a a merchant that purchases us and puts us in his hands, we can stop fighting so hard and striving so hard I have, you know, whew, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to forgive me. I've got a lot of good notes, but we ain't preaching good notes now. I'm going to talk to somebody. I know you're standing. I, I'll get you out to the park. We'll get some KFC here in a minute. Let me talk to everybody. I have never seen in, in all my life more hardworking people than people in the church. I'm not saying there's not hardworking people in the world, but people in the church, they almost get this idea that I am loved based on how much I do. I am loved based on how much I contribute, how much I do. Amen. And I want to tell you, that's false theology. Amen. I want to tell you, it's not based on anything that you and I can do. That's exactly what the Bible is saying. We're not saved by works lest any man should boast. It's not based on anything you could do. He just loves you. You know what? There's some folks right now, you're thinking, "How how can I make God proud? I'm not talking about thinking about ways you can do better and live right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're thinking, how can I get them to love me more? You can't. When you finally get in the hands of the merchant and you rest in that, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You know what you need to do here today? You are a pearl of great price, and he paid it all. And you're fascinated by Jesus, and you're trying to be more fascinated about him than he is about you. And you're striving, and you're fighting, and you're doing everything to try to work for it, work for it, work for it, work for it, work for it. And I want to tell you, there's a merchant coming by today that's saying, I paid everything for you, and I want you good, bad, indifferent. I want it all. Would you lift up your hands? All across this building, somebody pray. Come on. He loves you. He loves you. You may not feel loved by other people. You may not have felt loved by your family. You may not have felt loved by anybody else. You may not have felt very worthy or that anybody cared about you. You might have felt worthless. Other people might have even tagged you as labeled you as worthless. But I want to tell you, Jesus looks at you with fascination. Amen. He looks at you and he puts you in his hands. And he looks down at his nail-scarred hands at the pearl that he purchased with his own blood. And he says, I love them. I want everybody to come down to this altar with their hands in the air. 
Today is a day. If you're not in the hand of the pearl, in the, in the hand of the merchant, it's time to get your life in the hand of the merchant. If your life is in the hand of the merchant and you keep thinking, I got to try harder, that's religion that says try harder. I want to tell you, you just need a revelation. He's fascinated by me. Come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus, somebody pray. You need to pray until you feel so loved. You don't want to go back to some of those old things. You want to pray until you feel so loved, amen, that you start thinking about yourself different. You need to, be, you need to remember how loved you are so your worth and self-worth comes up, so your self-esteem comes up, amen, where you're no longer offended by people because who can offend me? I'm loved by Jesus. I have the treasure. I am, I am his treasure. Come on, they're going to begin to sing right and I want everybody to pray. You're the pearl. Amen. I know you're fascinated about the treasure called Jesus, as we should be. But he's fascinated by the pearl called you. He's fascinated by the pearl, amen, called the church. He's fascinated about you. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. Come on. I want you to pray until you feel Jesus' love. I want you to pray until you get rid of that self-hatred, until you get rid of your low self-esteem. I want you to pray until all of that other mess goes away. I want you to pray until God lifts the depression off of you, until he removes the anxiety from your heart. When you realize how loved you are. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so and oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us jealous for me love's like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy and all of a sudden I am unaware of these affections eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for 